0: Welcome to the Alliance In the Public Eye podcast, a show dedicated to exploring risk management topics and challenges faced by today's public sector leaders. Here are your hosts, Carlene Patterson and Justin Swarbrick. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of In the Public Eye. Our last podcast featured Kevin Williams, who leads the Genesis Underwriting Public Entity Group. He joined us to talk about the liability market from a carrier's perspective, and we covered a few issues driving the liability market. So today we wanna focus on the market from a broker and client perspective. Talk about the historical liability market as well as what our public entity clients and prospects can expect in the coming months. To do that, we'd like to welcome Daniel Howell, Executive Vice President and Managing Director for the Alliant Public Entity Group. We're really happy you could join us today, Daniel. But before we get started talking about this liability market, can we take a few minutes to learn a little bit about you and your background?
1: Well, thank you, Carlene, for having me join you and Justin on the podcast. I'm not so sure people want a few minutes of my background. You know, a long, long time ago sounds like a, it could be a long story, but we won't go there. Um, I started out at a firm called Fred S. James uh, right out of college, got sucked into the business because I didn't have a degree that would help me get a job. I was a history and art history major, so that's how a lot of us got into insurance. But it got real interesting for me. I was doing professional liability, underwriting related activities at the time, and then I had the opportunity to start working with the public entity group at Fred S. James and that group also managed some joint pooling programs. So it was a great start and I then stepped out for uh, law school. Uh I did pass the bar and uh but the siren call of insurance drew me back in and uh I've been back in the business ever since then. Joined Alliant from Sedgwick in 1998 and it's been now almost 25 years here at alliance so it's been a great run and i've seen a few different markets so lots of lots of water under the bridge
0: is it safe to say that this is one of the toughest liability markets you've been through uh
1: i would say it's the toughest liability market that i've truly experienced i joined in 87 right after the 86 horror show uh but there were still battle scars and things going down in 87, 88, 89. So it was pretty messy. And, uh, this, this compares with that with some differences.
0: Okay. All right. Well, looking forward to hearing a little bit about what those differences are.
2: Yeah, Dan, thanks for joining us today. We talked to Kevin last week and and from the underwriting perspective, they're just, they're just seeing an onslaught of losses. And some of the things we focused on were, What was driving that? Things like social inflation, nuclear verdicts, litigation trends. What are some of the emerging risks that you see on the horizon or or already here for the public entities that you work with?
1: Well, uh, you know, we're sitting in the middle of a pandemic, of course, and we just don't know how that's all going to play out if we're just talking about liability. The first part of the pandemic was all about property and physical damage or not of losses and now we're talking about uh, whether these you know these return to work, return to school uh, are going to result in, in liability claims. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's clashes between the employees who are concerned about returning to work in a safe environment and the employers who want to reopen and, and reopen schools. So I see that creating uncertainty and, and conflict, and that's just beyond the workers' compensational side of it. Another area that's kind of been on the side but it's still really growing and becoming a problem in my opinion is the cyber liability exposure so when you look at a cyber policy there's there's kind of some first-party coverages like property insurance and then there's these third-party coverages and we're seeing so much claims increasing year after year uh it's doubling only it's doubling now every six months, the amount of notices. They may not be actual breaches, but they're incidents. And so uh, cyber is becoming just an essential part of our client's uh, liability portfolio. I think that will will continue to be an emerging and developing risk.
0: Yeah, and we're definitely going to explore cyber specifically in some upcoming podcasts, but you're right when you're looking at Casualty and liability um, in as a whole. It's got to be part of the conversation. What are some of the trouble spots that you're seeing on the horizon when it comes to our public entity clients, whether they're airports pools, you know, higher ed, we, you know, cover them all and work with them all. What are you seeing? Well, beyond the financial concerns that so many of them have, uh, because
1: their budgets have been severely impacted right as we're in a hard insurance market, I think one of the issues that needs to be addressed is is public trust and credibility. Uh, there's certainly a lot of mistrust out there. And I think one of the things that I've seen in recent claims relative to public safety and police professional is that, the tables have turned in the sense that, in in prior times, when we went into court uh, with a police officer involved in a use of force claim, almost certainly the jury would start from a point of trusting the officer. Then the the plaintiff would have to work them back to a different version of what happened. And even if perhaps the actions in the law enforcement might have been seen as being aggressive, they would tend to side with the police uh, or the public safety officer. Nowadays, it's almost exactly the opposite. They're going to start assuming the worst, and then we're going to have to rehabilitate, as it were, uh, the defense because just the perception and the lack of trust. So when you overlay that with social inflation, claims that used to be valued at 300,000 to 500,000 are now three to five million. And, And as a result, The year over year, uh, this is the time of year when we get the updated loss reports for the July 1 renewals. We get the December 31 loss data. So when we keep seeing claims incurred reserves going up 30% year in and year out on certain classes of business, the underwriters are pulling their hair out because they then trend that increase out for several years and the current trend factors it used to be that they might use 4% inflation but with social inflation now they're using 7 8 i've seen 10% so you take a 2 million dollar verdict or settlement in 2020 and you trend that out for a renewal this year and they think they're going to pay that claim in 4 years or so and you add a 10% inflation factor on it you could have pierced Five million dollars, when all said and done, based on the underwriting, and that's why we're seeing pressure on self-insured retentions as well. And I think we're also seeing these, you know, aggregate limits, and obviously underwriters putting out shorter lines—the yeah. amount of limits they're willing to put out on any one risk. Yeah. So,
2: yeah that's that's really that's a really great point i i think we see the pressure on the police mistrust across the country with things like qualified immunity you know in colorado they they completely um overrode that legislation we see uh defund the police and a lot of this social unrest arising out of of exactly what you talked about for 2021 as we kind of put 2020 in the rear view here we're starting to see some carriers, as you mentioned, pull back on capacity, but we're starting to see some carriers pull out of public entity entirely. Do you think this is a trend for 2021, or is this going to be uh, an outlier?
1: I, I think that there will be some underwriting uh, adjustments. There are going to be firms that pull back from public entity, You know, and when I include public entity, I think of the, you know, cities, the schools, the counties, the states, the airports, seaports, you know, they're they're restricting capacity, but I also include higher education, which look a lot like, you know, municipal corporations. So we're seeing smaller lines. We are going to see some underwriters leave, but we're starting to see some underwriters coming in. And uh, if you recall that They call it the class of 2001. Uh, There were a lot of insurance companies formed in Bermuda and what have you in 2001 to take advantage of a a hard market then. Certainly some new underwriters came out of the 1986-87 non-renewal season. But also, uh, in the meantime, I think public entities are in a better position to somewhat weather the storm because... The infrastructure to retain risk is a lot more mature than it was back in 86, 87. That's when the, the pools and the purchasing groups and the consortiums started coming together. You know, In those days, there was nothing available. Uh, and so they basically self-insured, in many cases, 100%. Uh, of, the, of the risk. Now, I do think that those, those groups are going to have to be prepared to retain more risk and be a little more creative uh, and get back a little bit towards some of those roots to be able to weather it. And we just have to remember, we're coming out of a very long, soft market where uh, it became relatively easy to buy certainly 50 million, 100 million in limits, and those limits are now becoming more difficult and very, much more expensive. So we have to get our heads around the fact that programs that were at 50 million might be at 35, and it may be that only 25 is affordable uh, for the short term. And we have to manage our expectations and do what's best for our organizations and our clients.
0: That's a really good point that you make about the public entities being in a good position when it comes to being prepared for taking on retentions and really looking at what they're paying out. What would put one entity in a better position than maybe another one, even if it's like counties or states, it doesn't matter. What do you think would put them in a better position for this renewal cycle?
1: Well, certainly knowing your losses and where you stand and having a really good handle on what you've got and actuarial work that helps you understand what those projected losses look like going forward. Obviously, it'd be nice if you came into this with a healthy self-insured fund because, you know, these new liabilities that you may be taking on will take three to five years usually to pay out or more. And so I think that if if they can have that long-term perspective you can you can rebuild your lost fund over time as long as you have management support and communication internally this is where we are in the cycle this is what makes sense and is prudent and just keep in mind that there this is a cycle you know there there should be a soft market at some point And when that comes, then you can take advantage of it and potentially slough off some of those liabilities that you took on uh, when the market was hard. You can uh, do a portfolio transfer and and get them off the books again once the pricing goes down. And maybe that's when, at a point when insurers are seeing a higher return on investments and are looking for cash flow more than uh, right now the technical pricing that's driving up rates.
0: Is there certain pieces of information that, you know, talked a little bit about some of the individual types of exposures, whether it's, you know, law enforcement or what have you, are there certain pieces of information that our clients should start looking for within their organization? So that way, when their brokers come asking for that information, they know where to find it, whether it's SAM coverage and, you know, looking for what are their abuse and molestation policies and procedures, that kind of thing. What would help from a gathering submission information? I think
1: that there, especially for an organization that may have some recent claims activity, you need to help your broker by helping give them the story of what happened and what's changed potentially within your organization. Sometimes there's a fluke and something bad happens and it's a it's a one-off situation. But if there is... More than one, or there 's a trend, we need to be able to get out in front of that and show underwriters uh, that something has changed within the organization, uh, for example, people used to take things to trial uh, and win and defense them that maybe they can 't run the risk of of not defensing them and that may require some internal conversations because a lot of the settlements don 't take place because there 's pressure. To back up the people who are involved in the claim and show them that we support them and have their back, even uh, where we know we might have some challenges in the jury room. uh, But we may have to make some hard decisions that we just can't afford to try these claims in certain situations, so I, I would say preparing your story for the underwriters and having really good loss data and really good notes. And having, uh, you know, a full story for underwriting is going to make the difference. Underwriters are going to be inundated with submissions, and they're not going to want to work on ones that are incomplete, hard to follow, don't have all the data in the right format uh, for their own actuaries to, to crunch the numbers. And also you know, we do have the old claims coming in on these reviver statutes for the abuse and molestation claims. I think that uh, organizations with that exposure need to start digging out old policies and registers and creating a policy register so that they can find the insurance that may have been in place in the 70s and 80s and 90s, because those claims are coming in.
2: Yeah, Dan, can you, um, I was actually going to bring that up. Can you explain what some of those reviver statutes are attempting to do and what they've done in states that uh, have successfully passed them?
1: Well, to, to speak in a truly generalized way, what they've done is they've opened a window to allow adults who may have been victims decades ago to bring forward claims that otherwise would have been barred by the statute of limitations. So, uh, in some states, they've given them a few years, four or five years, where they can bring forward those old claims and file a lawsuit that would otherwise be barred. And that's especially challenging when uh, the witnesses may have be long gone, uh, passed away, and uh, obviously, as I mentioned, Finding old insurance policies may be really difficult, and the limits that were in place in those old years may be inadequate for today's inflated claim values. So pretty difficult times, particularly for the K-12 schools in, in those jurisdictions that have, uh, have revived those claims, and uh, it's going to remain that way for a while until that kind of flows through.
0: Are you seeing any kind of a trend in the insurance industry from carriers and trying to handle those types of exposures differently? You mentioned going back, you know, 20, 30 years to older policies and, you know, back in the day when they were written on an occurrence basis. And we've seen certain types of coverage move to claims made. Um, Do you see any kind of trends in that perspective?
1: i do and i think uh you know more and more we're seeing schools have to carve that out the abuse and molestation on a claims made basis and the carriers are concerned about stacking of limits and and they want to try to prevent uh stacking of annual limits over multiple policy years so there's there's a lot of movement there and again as i mentioned this is kind of what happened in eighty six, eighty seven. There was exclusions of coverage, then it came back on a claims-made basis for abuse and molestation and employment practices, and then it came back on occurrence with nose coverage to convert the old claims made. So I think if we can get through this period, there may be some new normal where there'll be an opportunity to tidy up some of the placements that maybe aren't as ironclad during the current cycle. Uh, we would set to be patient in some respects uh, and ride it out. But communicating certainly between the broker and the client and then the client internally, giving them the ammunition to explain what's going on internally is really important.
2: We've talked about those internal communications being key. Any Any comments, Dan, as we wrap up here? Well, I think the one thing that I'm seeing that might be a little different from the
1: class of 2001, uh, the new insurers, is that the new insurers that seem to be coming in right now don't really represent a silver bullet for this situation. They're being very conservative, uh, from what I can tell, and the amount of limits that they're going to be willing to put up initially seem to be short lines. But you know, in a lot of respects, it's a great time to get in the market. If you're not picking up the old acts and you're getting on to accounts at new, higher rates with shorter lines being put out, it's probably a good time to, to get into the space uh, for the markets uh, compared to maybe the rates that were in, a, in effect two, three years ago. So there'll probably be a bit of opportunism, and hopefully that'll balance out over time, and uh, then we can start rebuilding the market and rebuilding the limits and the coverages. But in the, in the near term, these, it's gonna, it, it won't go away until we see the claims stabilize. And this year-over-year year incurred loss development has to stabilize, or the underwriters will just be forced to keep increasing the premiums and rates because the losses are increasing.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dan. really appreciate you joining us today. As we've said, we recognize this is a real challenging time for our public entity risk managers, and we are focused on trying to provide continued information and resources as we navigate 2021 and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the episode of In the Public Eye. For more information and additional podcasts, please visit insurance.alliant.com forward slash in the public eye or www.alliant.com.